Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to transform the world within you and transform the world around you. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, hi, I'm Chris Valentin, and welcome to Cultural Catalyst, where we teach you how to be fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. And I have a very special guest, Matt Mosley. Matt, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, and Matt and I have become really good friends. Matt is the CEO of Cornerstone Bank in Redding, California. Yep. And you guys have, um, you know, we, we became friends, I think, through during the COVID season. You weren't our bank, but we were having a hard time finding anybody who could help us with a PPP loan. And you guys, without us even banking with you, your team, I don't even know if you, you knew this at I the did. time, but, you know, we reached out. Someone said, well, you should, guys should go Cornerstone Bank. They're like real business friendly. So actually Bethel Church reached out to you guys and we got a PPP loan through you guys and our, our own bank couldn't get it done for us. So I want to say thank you publicly for that. That's awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, you know, we took a little different tactic than other banks. Yeah. We said, we want to open this up for anybody in our community. We want to get as many people funded as quickly as possible rather than trying to say, oh, no, you don't bank with us. You know, we're not, we just said, just help everybody. Yeah. So Matt, what is, let's see, let me, let me, first of all, before we get into that, I got all these questions now. Okay. It's starting to come to my mind. Tell us a little bit about you. Well, I am 42 years old. Uh, my wife, Anna, and we have, t- we've been married for ooh, 18 years. Ooh, I might get that, get that right. right it's bro. somewhere between 17 and 19. Okay. I think it's 18. Okay. We'll, um, we'll fall on 18. Yep. Uh, and we have. Do you remember how many, how many kids you have? Yes. Because that two. <laughs> We have uh, Gabriella, who's our oldest. She's 22. Oh, and wow. then Malia, our youngest, is 14. And she's a freshman at Foothill High School. Uh, but we have an incredible family, just super blessed. I grew up in the Bay Area, moved up here in 99, uh, and then I just fell in love with the area and never wanted to move back. But you guys have been here for 24 years? Yeah, well, I've been here since 99, so yeah, 24 years. Anna grew up here, and when she went to college, she thought she would never come back, and then she came back what she thought was temporarily and she actually went through Bethel School of Ministry back in, she like, was I think one it was, of like, my students. yeah, one of the first years, You're I think, welcome. back in 2001. You're yeah, welcome. thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, and then she was just planning on living here for just a little bit and then moving back to Southern California, and then she met me, and she got stuck here. <laughs> and so our agreement was, see, I love this area, and she does too, but she really loves to travel. And so our agreement was, We'll live in Reading as long as you'll take me places. And so we do a lot of traveling. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, you're going to Santa Cruz this weekend, yeah. you told me. Yep. Our old stomping ground. We, yeah. we had some conversation about that. Yep. Yep. Okay, CEO of a bank. How long have you been CEO? Well, it'll be a year this July. So you're like you're like a rookie in there. Rookie. Yep. I was not really, rookie in the banking business. No, but, but I was really fortunate. So Jeff Fink, <laughs> my predecessor, he was a CEO for quite a long time at Cornerstone Bank before me. And uh, he and I work very closely together. He's a, you know, a friend and mentor as well. And he has groomed me for years and years to take this role. Uh, and then he's now the chairman of our board. So it's really nice because I still have him around yeah. in case there's a question I have or I need his opinion on, hey, how would you handle this situation? I mean, it's just an incredible succession plan that, he, that we put into place. It's, it's really beautiful when the person that was the former bank manager, in my case, my leaders, I've been with him 45 years, when you have the kind of mentoring relationship so that you maybe don't have all the experience, but you're so connected with somebody who does, who yes. you have full access to. Yep. 
Yeah, and it's nice that it, that our relationship was one of uh, of working together, but also friends. So there's a lot of relational equity between Jeff and I, where we can step on each other's toes, and you know, and it doesn't get we don't get bent out of shape over it. You know, yeah. we, we both care about each other very much. You got some great people on your board too. I think the guys that own Black Bear Restaurant are one of the founders, at least, right? Yep, Bruce. Bruce, Bruce is Dean. on your board, yep. and just some great people. And your your bank has an incredible reputation. Um, hey, so how do you think that kingdom finance relate to what you're doing with earthly finances? Hmm. Is there is there anything that you've you know obviously you had a great mentor yeah is there anything that you you're learning in your walk with Christ because you're you're a strong believer that you're actually trying to assimilate into your daily work I mean the, the yeah. core values that Jesus taught you anything like that that you feel like is really helping your 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 career yeah you know I think the biggest thing is trusting. Uh, trusting God with my finances, you know, personally, you know, if you look back, uh, if I look back over the course of my life, there's been plenty of times where I've been in a position where, you know, I don't know what to do, whether it's, you know, making a certain investment or, you know, giving to either tithing to a church or donating somewhere. Uh, There's all those times where you, you kind of get to a place where you're like, okay, what direction am I supposed to go here, Lord? Yeah. And, should I invest these funds? Should I spend money on this fun thing? Should I, you know, pay down debt? Should, you know, there's all this. And a lot of that same thought process comes into running a bank. You know, so you have, I look at it, you know, the easiest way to describe it to me is stewardship. And so for me, I look at running a bank. Banks are, you know, we're in the stewardship business. We are, get, we, other people put their money with us yeah. and we then take that money and invest it into our community and generate a return. Uh, and so it, it's not, we're not playing with our own money. And so if you take that now mm-hmm. and you apply it to your own life and your own finances, I believe as a Christian that, you know, the, I, I'm stewarding God's money. Yeah. You know, I, he's, I believe that he blesses me. He provides for me financially and I'm accountable to how I handle that money. Now it's not a, uh, a legalistic, like, oh, you need to, I don't feel like God's that kind of, yeah. he's not that kind of father. Get reason. it wrong, yeah. you're in deep trouble. Yeah, there's tons of grace there, Yeah, and there's opportunities to enjoy the finances that mm-hmm. he gives you, and but steward it well, realizing that, you know, I, I don't want to hold on to this so tightly that I become greedy and I'm not generous. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. I just kind of no, I think it does. You know, I, I think it, it, you know, obviously you're working for a large corporation. You mm-hmm. have a team. Yes. Um, you're you're not, you know, I, I think sometimes when we see the CEO of a company, we kind of think of it like the king or, hmm. you know, an, an, it's it's not like that at all, in, in a, especially in a bank, banking corporation. There yeah. are rules and laws and boards that you answer to. But you still, you do have, uh, you still have a, a large influence on, especially the spirit of, of the, kind of the atmosphere and mm. just like you created a, a, you know a scenario where we who did not we didn't even bank with you mm. you you actually took on our PPP loan and actually wouldn't take money for it mm-hmm. and uh, and that was like so impressive to us and and you know and the way we ended up there is we called a few friends because our local bank that we bank with you know basically said hey the money's all gone and 
our friends were like, no, no, that money's not gone. Hey, go to Cornerstone. Like, like we went there and we don't even yeah. bank there. So another customer that, that didn't even bank there also used you. So, you know, that that's all coming from a culture and atmosphere that you guys are creating there, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so our bank is very relational. Yeah. And so much is driven from relationship because when you have trust and you have relationship, uh, it allows you to understand where each other is coming from. So you take this from, let's take it from a credit risk perspective. Yeah. So when banks loan money out, they have to know, are they making a good, are they taking an appropriate risk? Yeah. And when there's relationship there and you know the person, it's a lot easier to trust them and yeah. you understand the ins and outs. So it's more than just having something on paper where you're like, oh, yep. the credit score checked out and they have enough income. It's like, no, no, do I know this person? Do I know, do I trust this person? And that's a core value that, that our bank holds very closely. So the character of a person becomes one of the assets that you assess yes. when you're giving a loan or doing business with somebody. Yep, and that character you, you isn't earned overnight. You know, yeah. you, you, you grow character over a period of a lifetime, yeah. but you grow more and more. And you be, and for, for our bank, as we are looking to lend money out, uh, we look at character first. Yeah. So there's, there's the, a bunch of different lenses. They call them the five, five C's of credit that banks look through, you know, when they decide to lend money out. Character, credit, capacity, collateral, all these different things that you look through. But, but if someone doesn't pass the character test, you know, that's a non-starter. And it's because our bank is a relationship bank. We want to know that w who we're dealing with has good character, and we want to know that they're going to pay us back. Yeah, and again, you're lending other people's money. Exactly. So, yep. And that's how we steward it. You know, if we were, it, if, if someone gave you $100 and said, oh, you go invest this, and I don't care if I ever get the money back, that's one thing. But if they say, hey, I really need this money back, you know, go invest it but I bring me a return. Like the, ta uh, the story of the talents, the yeah, level, right? Exactly. It's the same, same principle. It's like we're stewarding other people's money. We want to do it really well. What do you do with the one that buries it in, at your bank? Never mind. That was a... That was, uh, well, that was, that was you. No, <laughs> just kidding. No, <laughs> just teasing. Uh, hey, a little bit of a different subject. There's yeah. a lot of fear regarding finances in our current yeah. you know, economic climate. You, you see it every day. Yeah. I know that in your job, it's kind of, you have to keep your finger on on the pulse of American mm -hmm. right business and uh, American economy, yeah. and you know the, the 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 changing presidents, and then we came out of COVID, mm -hmm. the shutdown of two years of our economy almost completely shut down. Yeah. You, you have these I, I call them dueling economists. Like you read one guy and he's like best season ever. You read yeah. somebody else like sky's falling. There's going to yeah. be a great recession. You know, I love Elon Musk. He's like, don't buy anything for 18 months. And unless it's a Tesla. So, <laughs> you, you know, you watch yeah. it, right? I watch him too. And I'm like, I listen to this guy and I, I sort of believe the last guy I, I listened to, you know, cause everybody sounds so well read and intelligent. Yeah. What is your opinion about our economy and where we're going? I, I understand it's your opinion. Yep. But what do you see in your vantage point from the banking? You know, obviously the, the Federal Reserve has gone up. How you know all, all of that to try to curve inflation? How, yeah. how are you viewing this right now? How are you guys like? How are you guys? How are you guys posturing yourself in this crazy economy? Yeah. Well, there's okay. So <laughs> let's start with fear first off. Uh, every decision made out of fear. It, uh, not every, I'm sure there's certain where you get lucky, but most decisions that you make out of fear end up being the wrong decision. Yeah. You know, and that's what I've, I've seen over and over again. Uh, a good example is uh, early on in Anna and I's marriage, we wanted to build a house 
and we're like, we need to do this. We are so excited to build a house together, but also we need to do it now because the market's getting so expensive. We don't buy a piece of land now. We, you know, we got into the whole like, oh gosh, we got to do this before we miss out. And worst decision we've ever made. We built a house and finished it in 2006. And right before yeah. the housing market crashed. I know crashed, where this is going, right? yeah. And so you look at that, and I know every decision I've made that I felt like from a position of fear or I don't want to miss out has always been bad. And so I think finding a way to, I mean, this translates to our lives, but also to running the bank, is finding a way to disassociate from fear yep. and getting rid of the noise that's out there, uh, all the different media sources and everything, trying to get rid of noise and step back and look at something sober-minded, uh, whether it's your know, decision to invest or to, you know, whatever the decision is. If you can take fear out of the equation and take noise out of the equation, um, you get a perspective where you actually are operating in wisdom. And so with that, you know, even though not every bank CEO does this, every morning as part of my routine, I get to the office, I spend time quietly praying and reading my Bible and journaling and asking God for wisdom for the day. And so I've asked God for wisdom beyond my years for the last 15 years. And that's been something that I've seen play out because I'm not any smarter than anyone else. Um, I have a knack for banking, but I believe that I get some incredible wisdom from having that perspective at the start of the day. Now, People that may not believe in Jesus would probably just be, would say, hey, that's still a good practice. Yeah, meditation, right? Meditation, yeah. fully. So call it what you will. <laughs> I know it is my time with God, and that's where I get strategy and I get wisdom. Now, how do we, how do we lead a bank from that perspective? Um, I think what you do is you don't listen to every economist, first off, yeah. because two economists will give you four answers. Yeah, exactly. And they always, the, the old joke about economists is they can tell you a number or they can tell you a date, but they can't tell you both. Yeah, exactly. you know, So there's all, so, so really you have to kind of like say, okay, who are the sources I'm going to listen to? And also take every source with a grain of salt. And for me, what, where am I going to get my peace and my wisdom from and my ability to make decisions that are outside of, you know, outside influence from media and everything. And so for me, that's my time in the morning and from spending time with the Lord. So then I look at, um, you, then you do have to listen to media a little bit and just yeah. kind of keep a pulse on market. And, you know, it can be scary looking at it, though. I mean, yeah. right now, there's a lot of people that have a lot of fear um, because of interest rates going up. Yeah. What about, am I going to lose my job? All the normal fears. Um, but what I would say is, you know, not from running a bank, but if I was talking to someone that was that was struggling with fear in that area. And I have a lot of friends that are in industries that are really being impacted right now by all these economic changes. And, you know, I want to tell them, hey, be open-handed. Don't, because, I'm sorry, I, I should give context with the open-handed, close-handed. My thought process on that is when I'm fearful financially, I close my fist. I hold on to the little I have. And when I do that and I hold on, then I'm not as generous, I'm, not, I'm afraid, and I'm not going to invest. And yeah. when I don't invest and plant seeds and make decisions, I can't have more to grow down the road. Yeah. And so, uh, so I look at it like, okay, how do, I, how do I help my friend turn from feeling like scared and holding tight to trusting 
and being free and being grateful for what you have. So it's basically how do I shift from having a, a mentality of lack to having a mentality and a perspective of, of wealth or of, more, of abundance um, and how to do that in a way where you're not being silly either. We're like, yeah, oh, I'm just going to give away all my money to, <laughs> you know, whatever organization it yeah. is and I'll be great, you know. But um, that's the con- those are the conversations. So outside of my role at the bank, those are the conversations I'm having with friends that are yeah. afraid to say, okay, how do we pivot and not look at the fear, see the reality for what it is, but how do we take that and say, okay, what do I have and how can I focus on the blessings that I have and change the posture of my heart. Because then, like I had mentioned earlier, then you start being able to have a little bit of perspective. And, you know, it's like the sower sowing the seed. Yeah. You know, if they're holding on to their seeds so much because they don't want to drop any of these seeds, they're definitely not planting those seeds. Yeah. And if they are like, I'm always going to have enough. I, I don't understand where it's going to come from right now. So I'm going to go ahead and throw some of these seeds in the ground. Well, by doing that, then down the road, they'll have those grow. So what does that look like in life? You know, I think for me, that looks like being generous when I don't, when I don't feel like I can. Yeah. And to me, it's putting money aside, even when I don't feel like there's enough, making sure I'm investing it, putting away into a retirement plan, like some really practical things. Like maybe I, I can eat out a little less but don't feel like I can't do anything because I actually do have $100 here. I could put into an investment account and then just not touch it, and then that thing's growing. So there's practical ways yeah. to do it too. Yeah, I think sometimes fear creates self-fulfills prophecies, right? For sure. I, I, this is my personal perspective on the stock market. I think the stock market is actually run on faith. Hmm. You know, if you believe the economy is going to get good, you buy, and then the economy mm-hmm. gets good because you bought. Right? It's a yep. it's an ecosystem. If you get afraid and, you, and everybody starts withdrawing their money, it's the Great Depression, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody draws their money out. We're all going to crash, yep. and you you're almost creating your own prophecies. Yeah. And yep. so I do think that stewardship and wisdom are important, but also I think that you're absolutely right. Like you often when we get in fear, we often are actually creating the very thing we're. We're afraid of, right? Yes. That was much better said. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I, I just, you know, I, I agree with you completely. Uh, let, this isn't in my questions, but how do you feel about the economy in general? Are you feeling uh, optimistic? I'm not asking you to make predictions. I, yeah. I know that isn't even your gig, but... I love making predictions. Yeah, sure you do. Just do the opposite. Exactly. Uh, no, you know, I look at the economy and... There's going to be pain. You think so? I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope that there's not. Uh, but the Federal Reserve continues to increase interest rates, so there'll be some. Pa- there's going to have to be some pain at yeah. some point. Which makes the in, makes, yeah. which in in practical sense makes loans more expensive. Exactly. Right? So because you you guys have to borrow borrow that money from. Federal Reserve. Well, we could, we but we borrow it from the people that are depositing their money with us, so people that open up go. accounts. But as rates go up, um, businesses have a little bit harder time affording their interest payments if the rates, if the interest rates yeah. are variable, and so it makes uh, businesses kind of you know pull in their horns a little bit. Maybe not spend as much on a new business investment, yeah. or maybe not hire as many people. Yeah. So at a certain level, the economy will shift. Um, and there'll be some level of pain, whether it's, it might be unemployment. I think that's kind of the, one of the main, uh, metrics that the, uh, mm-hmm. Federal Reserve is looking at right now is unemployment and inflation, CPI in particular. And so 
at some point, there will have to be some level of unemployment uptick. Um, I don't think there's going to be a massive um, meltdown, and I hope there wouldn't be a massive meltdown, but something has to change because we can't keep having this level of price increases quarter over quarter over yeah, quarter. Yeah. Um, so I think, I, I do feel like we're on the right track to correcting that, um, but it's anyone's guess. Yeah, and there's a lot of people out there guessing, right? Yeah, but I think when you, I, I think there's a, the, the media does a really good job making you afraid yeah. in that. Um, but like I was talking about earlier, a lot of it's noise. So yeah, there's going to be some level of pain. We don't know really what that looks like, but a lot of it is just noise. And it's like, how do I pull away from that and just kind of like make my own decision on what I th- think is going to happen? Yeah, bad news sells. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like nobody, nobody writes an article on how great the traffic flowed today. Yeah, right. True. Nobody slows, you know, nobody slows down to watch from the side of the road the traffic going well. Yeah. You know, we all slow down when we see an accident, right? It, it is bad news sells. So mm-hmm. more conflict you create, the more people you draw in your social media posts or your news yep. articles. So, you know, it is, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the end thing to predict the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess this is the last question. What advice would you give to your younger self about finances? When you're in the banking business now, yeah. you get to see people... In all walks of life, some prospering like crazy, some destroying their life. I mean, you have a vantage point mm-hmm. as a bank CEO, and you've worked in the banking industry, so you kind of have an insight to hearing people's stories, both good and bad, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the thing I would tell my younger self or any younger person is don't expect to have your parents' lifestyle in your 20s or in your 30s. Ooh, good advice. Because so many people look at their parents and their cars their parents are driving or the house they have, and, and they're in their 20s, and they haven't earned it yet. And they're like, oh, I, w- I should have that. And then, you know, they get kind of uh, unhappy with what they have, or they just borrow a bunch of money to attain that, but then they're drowning in debt. So I think part of it is just be patient. Enjoy the season you're in. Some of the uh, – we Anna and I had some incredible times early on in marriage when we had nothing. Yeah. And – so enjoy those seasons. And then also you know, look at debt really sober-mindedly. Okay, if I'm going to take out a loan for something, I want to make sure that that, that that thing I'm borrowing for is worth paying extra for, right? So exactly. don't take out, don't put a credit, don't put a pizza on your credit card. You know, that's, exactly. that's a silly thing because you finish the pizza that day and that credit card balance stays for a while. And so, but also then, okay, well, I'm looking at buying a house. Okay, well, maybe that's a one that's worth borrowing for because you're gonna you have enough fulfillment in that. You have it could be an investment. Yeah. You know, it could make it could generate equity over time. Um, so being careful about what you borrow for, and then also being uh, being content in the season you're at and with what you have uh, is that'd be the best advice I could give. Yeah, and a house also you're not if you're unless you're homeless you're already paying rent right yes so if you can turn that rent into something that builds yep. for the future investment for the future yeah that's that's really wise I, I think the other thing i was thinking as you were talking about what you put on a credit card you know when you go to buy a car oftentimes the the salesman wants to talk to you about can you afford the payment payment yep yep like well that's a small factor mm-hmm. right but so they're like oh, uh, well what what a payment can you afford Mm-hmm. 
Like very few salesmen say, what, what's the most expensive car you want to buy today, right? Yeah. They're like, what payment can you afford? Yeah. And then they're already thinking about 72 months, right? Yep. Which yeah. is like, by the time you pay that car off, it's going to be a pile of junk. Yeah, you're going to be paying more than that in your repair bills at that point. Exactly. Yeah, it's every, all the times that I've bought cars over the years, I get we get into that same conversation. We're like, well, what kind of payment do you want to pay? I'm like, I don't care about the payment. Yeah. Like, I want to know what the best price you'll give me is. And they're, it's, they're typically like, wait, totally. what? No, I, let's talk payment. Like, no, no, don't give me that. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about the true cost. And so that's something that's financial education for, for young folks, too, is understanding the difference between payment and ultimate price. Yeah, the last 10 years we've paid cash for cars. Yeah. What a huge difference when you walk in and pay cash. And yeah. Like, do you want the extended note? Do you want the note? No. Do you want the... What payment? No, I, I want to pay cash for this car. Yeah. I've saved my money. Yeah. I've put away money. And it's like, okay, when we get enough money, we're going to go buy a car. Yep. And then you also have leverage, and you're not paying for it like one, one and a half times. Mm-hmm. So I, I think those are really great advice, too, if you can get to that place, or at least put down a large down payment, right? Yes, large down payment <laughs> and short payments term. So yep. if you're going to borrow money on a car loan, don't borrow on a five- or six-year loan Maybe do a 24-month loan or a 36-month loan tops. Yeah. Get that thing behind you. And then once the, it's paid off, keep driving that car for a little while and bank that payment each month. Exactly. That way, when you're going to go buy another car, you're a little more ahead of the game. I was, uh, I was reading a Consumer uh, Reports article this morning that said that the average car loses, a brand new car loses 45, no, is worth 45% of its value in the fifth year. 45% of its value in the fifth year. Yeah, wow. But it's just think about that. You know, you buy a, a $40,000 car, and that, that car's worth eighteen grand. Yeah. When, you, <laughs> when, when, when you're ready to, you know, when you're ready to off it or whatever. Yeah, well, and then the price of new cars is up even further. So you're taking that 18, it doesn't quite buy you as much. Exactly. You know, as far as a down payment on the next car. So you've got to get ahead of that cycle. So good. Matt, thanks for being on. We want to make sure that people know that you can get in touch with you at bankcornerstone.com. Is that right? Yep. Did we get that right? Yep, you got it. Is there any last words you'd like to say? No, I just thank you for, for having me. Thanks for the kind words you had about our bank, too. Um, yeah, we, we love doing business with local businesses here in the community. Well, I hope we can encourage people to do that with you. I know we're changing right now, so God bless you. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Chris. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. To stay connected, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at chrisvalentin.com forward slash subscribe. God bless you.